Many Christians in this time believe that by accepting Jesus, they are assured their stance into heaven. Just by even asking Christ as their Savior, that all of a sudden you get this mansion in the sky. It gets you a crown with jewels that seems even unimaginable. It allows you to get the great, greatest top secret compound of all time, which is called heaven. Many people believe that as long as I hold on to Jesus, but don't do anything with him, I'm saved from going to hell. I won't get anything bad to happen to me because I have the risen king, the, the, the risen king, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the, the baby who was born on December 25th and who came of the virgin. He's the king of kings. That's all I need. As long as I have him, then anything bad is excluded from my life. And actually, my friend, the Bible says that even though you have him, you will have bad things come into your life. But this is what the scripture also says. Even though you have him, even though you've accepted him, take courage because the life that you now have is the life more abundantly. My father used to say it this way. When, you, when you're without Christ, life is hard. But when you have Christ, life is good and hard. It's still the same, but now there's a little bit extra to your life. There's a little bit more abundance to your life. There's a little bit more satisfaction to your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's a little bit greater things that begin to happen, even though you go through life, like Pastor Toby was talking about earlier. 2014, you experienced life, and in 2015, you're still going to experience life. But the great thing is, you can have life, but life more abundantly. You can still have that life. You know, the other day we were watching a football and we were seeing uh, many of the football players that were carrying this football. And if you will, kind of take the analogy of the football being life, okay? Just kind of picture it like that, whatever team that you like. And the life that they have, they carry. And the goal is they have to get this life to that end zone. They have to get it over there in order to score or what we would say in order to win at life. But the thing that I saw, I was watching the, 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 the game, and as I was watching it, what they did is they have the TV cameras on the field. They have it there on the field. Practically, the game is around three hours long, and about two hours and 45 minutes of it is you watching guys on the field hitting each other, going after the ball, getting it. But for a short while, maybe 10 to 15 minutes, they will put the camera on the sidelines. And on the sidelines you will see the quarterback who was just out there or the defensive back who was just out there sitting on the sidelines. But for those who are really into the game, they read this thing called the playbook. You ever see them do that? Now, I don't know if you've ever seen an NFL playbook before. I had an opportunity to see an NFL playbook that they actually have to learn from one week to the next. They actually have to learn, uh, I think it's around 12 to 13 of these playbooks because they, they play different teams. And... These playbooks, I'm not exaggerating, they're about this big of just plays. They have to learn every X and every O. They need to learn all the signs. They need to learn everything. Why? Because if they do not learn that playbook, they can fumble life. They can mess up the life. They can mess up where they're going. Listen, it's very important that you and I, we read this playbook. 
If you want life abundantly, don't think, well, I'm just going to go out there. I got Jesus, and he's going to help me. No, there's an enemy that wants to take you out. And if you're not careful to read this playbook, you can fumble life. You can mess up that life. How many want life and life more abundantly? Come on, how many want life more abundantly? If you want life more abundantly, then read the abundant playbook. It's very important. If you do not have a playbook, my prayer is that before the end of this service, you will get a playbook called the Bible. We actually have them available for you in the information book. If you don't have one, before you leave here, ask somebody who is there at that info booth. They will give you a playbook because I want to make sure that you get into 2015 with the life more abundantly. Can I hear an amen? Come on, can I hear an amen? The life abundantly that he's speaking of is the same life that he shares in John chapter 5, verse 24, that the Bible says that you will pass from death to life. In other words, death is the country where many of the Christless souls will live. And when you accept him, you move out of that hellish state. In other words, no more living in the eternal death estates. You don't have to live there anymore. That is a place where you used to reside, but now you have changed residency. Now, this is very important because many times, especially in a new year or in a new season, what happens is many people figure, well, all I have to do is just do a physical move. In other words, well, if I just move from this city to this city, then everything will change. Well, if I just move away from this person and get to this person, everything will change. And so we think in our minds it is a physical move, but really it is a move that you're moving from death to life. And when you understand that life, you will understand the abundance that God has for you. I remember there was a pastor that came behind the pulpit one time, and he said, all I thought I had to do was move from the East Coast to the West Coast, and everything was going to change. What he did not know is that when he moved from the East Coast and moved to the West Coast, heroin was still there. That's what he thought. I'll never forget when he gave that analogy. I said, man, that's a heavy point. Because a lot of times, that's how we think. All I have to do is move from this city to that city, and everything will change. No, unless you change, your surroundings won't change. Some of you, this 2015, you need to move from death to life. Now, some of you might say, well, I'm saved. I have it. Well, listen, you may have it, you, but you've been fumbling that abundance. You have been missing out on the abundance that God has for you. It's time to make them that move. Some of you even need to move from them old friends. Oh, but no, no, no. You don't understand. I've known them all my life. And what you don't understand is that all their life, they've been ruining all your life. Well, you don't understand it. Sometimes you got to make a move from death to life. The life more abundantly. You got to make a change. Look at your neighbor and say, You got to make a change. There's a story that I've told before. I, I love this story. It's a story of two construction workers. They had taken a lunch break and they had opened their lunch boxes. And one of them looked inside his lunch box and he said, Not baloney again. I can't believe it. I hate baloney. This is the third time this week I've had baloney. I can't stand baloney. The other one looked at him and said, well, why don't you just ask your wife to make you something different? He looked at him and said, I don't have a wife. I made this myself. 
The fact is, is that most of the baloney that's in our lives, we made it ourselves. We can't look for other people to change our circumstance. If there's going to be a change, some of you this morning, you got to make the change. It's not going to be your mom. It's not going to be your dad. It's not going to be your neighbor. It's not going to be your best friend. It's going to be you allowing God to give you the abundance that he's always wanted to give you. But you got to make a change. Look at your neighbor and say, change. This message, I believe, is not only for our 2015, but I believe that this is the kind of message that you could take into February, the kind of message you could take into March, April, May. Some of you, you're going to have to retract and remember this even in July. You're going to have to make a change. Somebody say change. Now, what is change? Change is something that presses us out of our comfort zone. Change is destiny filtered. It's heart grown, and it's faith built. Change is inevitable, and change is not a respecter of persons. The great thing that I love about change is that change is for better or for the worse, depending upon how you look at it. It is uncomfortable for changing from one state to the next upsets our control over our outcomes. Change has a ripping effect on those who will not let go. Change is needed when all the props and practices of the past no longer work. Change is not comforted by the statement, just hang in there, but with the statement that you can make it. We don't grow and retreat, but through endurance. Change isn't fixed by crying, worrying, or mental treadmilling. Change is won by the victors and not the victim. And that today, the choice is ours. Somebody once said is that it is strange that while praying, we always ask for a change in circumstance, but seldom ask for a change of character. Irene Peter said, just because everything is different doesn't mean anything has changed. My friend, if we want to see a change in 2015, it's going to be up to us. If you want to change in your marriage, then you change yourself as a wife. If you want to change in your marriage, you change yourself as a husband. If you want to see a change in your children, then you might have to change yourself as a parent. Are you hearing me this morning? See, some of us, we've been in a mental treadmilling state. We think, as long as I'm breathing, as long as I'm going, I'm okay. My friend, there's an enemy out there, and he wants to hit that life away from you. He wants to depress you out of that life. He wants to oppress you into your life, and he wants to take you out. My friend, it's very important. you got to get into this playbook. Some of you this year, the, the, the Bible should not just be a nice centerpiece on your coffee table. This year, it's going to be a change. I'm going to read this thing. I'm going to let this thing change my life. Matter of fact, I'm going to stop calling it a thing, and I'm going to start calling it life. I'm going to start making it active in who I am. No longer am I just going to read the Bible when the pastor says, open up your Bible this Sunday morning. There's going to be a difference in who I am. There has to be a change. Somebody say change. There's no victory without a battle. There's a story of a man, but at the end of the pier, he was met by another man with a briefcase. Inside the briefcase was the key to this man's new life. He was told that inside the briefcase was over a million dollars. All he had to do was pick it up and take it off the pier. That's it. Now, much to his surprise, as he tried to pick up the briefcase, he seen how the weight was too overwhelming and he couldn't pick it up. He tried over and over. He managed to pick it up, but just a few inches until it became so heavy that he dropped the case through the wood of the pier, and it made a hole right through the pier. Sadly, though, the man kept holding on to this case all the way to the bottom 
of the water. He did not let go of this case because his new life was in it. So what happened? He went all the way to the bottom just to drown with the briefcase. Some of you here this, this morning, maybe this past year you felt like you were drowning in 2014. You've been holding on to things that are not going to let you get to that next level in 2015 because you've been holding on to things that are making you feel like you've been drowning. But I want you to know here this morning, it's not over yet. There is still hope. There is still a promise for you in 2015. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. But in order to go to that next level in 2015, you got to let go of a few things from 2014, or I dare even say even from 2013. Letting it go. Letting it go. Having these expectations. That's gotta, it has to happen. It's gotta, some of you need to let go of the things that drown you and hold on to the promises that will excel you. Holding on to the things that God has for you. Now, in this briefcase, as I use that analogy, I want to stick to that analogy of the man who was holding on to the briefcase. There were things that were drowning with you. And I want to give you three things that I believe that we can let go of for 2014 and that I believe apply to each and every one of us, some a little bit more in excess than others. The first thing that I believe that we can let go of in 2014 that you could be drowning in some of you here this morning, you might be drowning in debt. We don't talk about money a lot. Actually, here in this church, I do talk about money a lot. I make sure we talk about it because it's very important. The, Pro the book of Proverbs chapter 22 verse 7 says, The borrower is servant to the lender. What does that mean? It means that debt will make you a slave to whatever it is that you owe. Did he just go there? We're talking about my debt. He don't know me. Well, I do know what you do with your neck. The borrower is servant to the lender. In other words, you will be a slave no matter what to whatever it is that you owe. Debt gives you an oppression that nobody would ever want. Drowning in debt often increases stress which contributes to mental, physical, and even emotional fatigue. Many raise their lifestyle through debt only to discover the burden of debt then controls their lifestyle. Have you ever seen those uh, commercials and you've seen these, you know, 1-800, get out of debt right now? Get out of debt. You know what I found? That those commercials have increased over the years. You notice that? The, the, they started with like one commercial. Like it was just like a simple commercial. And then all of a sudden, this is what I noticed. Celebrities started jumping on board with those commercials. You ever seen those? They started jumping on board. Why do you think? Because even the celebrities started getting in debt. And then more and more. See, my, my friend, if you think that money is going to solve your problem, my friend, you're already in debt. You're in an emotional debt, or should I say a spiritual debt, because you think money will fill that spiritual debt. And what I have found over the years with those that are rich and those that are poor, but those that allow God to fill that void of whatever it is that you're looking for, you will never be in debt. Romans chapter 13 verse 8 says, let no debt remain outstanding. 
Another translation says, owe nothing to anyone. Another translation says, pay your debts as they come due. See, the deeper we are in debt, the more like servants and slaves we become. See, in 2015, I'm believing that many of you, you are going to get out of debt. There is going to be a freedom in your life. No longer are you going to have to worry about this over and over and over. And see, and that's why many times we even say, hey, brother, do you want to come to church? Oh, I can't, man. I got to make that money. I got to get out of debt. See, our heart says, our spirit says, I want to do more for Christ. I want to do great. I want to be involved in the church, right? Many of us are like that. I want to do more for the church, but I can't. I got to go and make that money. Why? I got to get out of that debt. I believe that this year, many of you, you are going to be debt free. Okay, God bless all two of you. I believe that this year, 2015, many of you are going to be debt free. Come on, if you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. In the, in the Old Testament, I'm just going to give you a, a few things here. In the Old Testament, the, the Bible says that actually debt was a curse. But the great thing I love is that for every curse, there is a promise. For every curse, there is a promise. See, what debt does is that debt assumes that the future will pay for the debt, but Scripture even cautions us against presumptuous living. Now, for those of you who say, well, I'm not in debt, I want to give you a scripture that, that hopefully will help you not even get into debt. Can I hear an amen? James chapter 4, verse 13 says, now listen, you who may say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will, leave, we will live and do this or do that. See, the one thing that I have learned is that whenever I want to make a financial decision, I have looked for this scripture and I say, if this is the Lord's will, I will do it. If it's not, I got to be careful. I got to be very careful. And I'm, I'm even sharing this knowing and understanding that we just got out of Christmas. And some of you, you might have put yourself in a debt just to have a good Christmas. You wanted one good day for a season of debt. You got to be very careful. Be very, you know what? I would even encourage some of you, you should limit some of your time watching television. Because you think, I'm watching my favorite program. When in all reality, you're watching their favorite commercials. They're getting it to you. They're getting it to you. You need to have these shoes. You have to eat my food. You need to buy this suit. It's the greatest thing ever. It's the best thing ever. Buy it, buy it, buy it, buy it at my store. And all of a sudden, you leave the room going, man, I don't know why, but I need to buy a dress. I have no idea why, but man, I need a new car. Even though I have four of them and they're all broken down, I need a new car. Why? I wonder why. Because the world, they want you to live in their oppression. They want you to live in this debt. When you read the story, I don't have time to go into it, but on your own time in 2 Kings chapter 4, there's a story about a widow who was threatened of losing her two sons, losing her children to a creditor. But I love when you read the story, the Bible says that God supernaturally provided for her 
Because if you read it, she got one of the things that she did is she operated in faith through prayer. Some of you here this season, you need to start operating in faith. The just shall live by, the just shall give by, the just shall operate by. This widow woman, she operated in faith. And actually, when you read it, the Bible says that she began to get these jars. She didn't have any oil in it. I don't have time to get into the story, but it's a great story. On your own time, if you want to learn about getting out of debt, study that story. 2 Kings chapter 4, it's a great one. And all of a sudden, these jars came, and they just began to fill them up, fill them up, and they paid off their debts. And not only did they pay off their debts, they began to live off the supernatural promise of God. Some of you this season, I believe, that no longer are you going to be just an employee, but you are going to be an employer. I'm going to say that again. I believe that in 2015, some of you will no longer be an employee, but you're going to be an employer. You are going to be the one filling people's jars. You are going to be the ones overflowing. That you're just going to have to bless people. You are going to have your own business in 2015. No longer are you going to be, listen, you're going to get out of debt in 2015. And not only out of debt, but you're going to help others get out of debt. 2 Kings chapter 4, read it. I'm telling you, it will help you. It will help you. See, prayer combined with faith and works does the miraculous within one's life. What we also need to learn is that what I believe is that we need to be content with what God has provided within our life. Be content with what is even being limited within who we are. First Timothy chapter five, excuse me, chapter six, verse five says, "Who have been robbed of the truth, and who think that godliness is a means to financial gain?" Verse 6 says, but godliness, look at this, godliness with contentment is a great gain. Godliness with contentment is a great gain. In other words, be careful what you spend. Watch your spending. Because if you think that that's going to give you the gain, actually you will find that you will lose something. See, the Bible says, and it talks about, for the love of money is the roots of all kinds of evil. Just that scripture alone, as we look at, I mean, we could digest and get into that. So, because somebody once asked me years ago, they said, well, you know, pastor, you know, they talk about, you know, uh, Christians, you have to be poor. Says who? Who said that? So, the problem is, this is what I have found, is that most Christians, they love money more than God. When they are, or, let me rephrase that, when they come into Christ, they love money more than God. After they learn, then they start learning that, oh, okay, it's not about how much money I have. It's about how much money I love. The love of money is the roots of all kinds of evil. So how much money can you have? You can have as much money as you don't love. That's it. The problem is we love money too much. I got to have it. I need to have it. I got to work. I got to get this. I got to get this. I got to get this. We don't even see work. We see money. Be careful. Be careful. And that's why here in this scripture, he says, look, godliness with contentment. In other words, be content with what God has given you. It's so funny that many times, and all of us can get caught in this trap, we work so hard for our family that we forget our family. 
We work so hard for our family. I work for my kids. I'm getting trying to, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to get into that. I'm trying to get I'm trying to, I'm trying to, and then all of a sudden, uh, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it's happened to me. Where all of a sudden you're working, you're working, you're working, and all of a sudden your kid comes and says, Dad, can I just spend time with you? Has it ever happened to you? Has it happened to me? Like, can I spend time with you? And all of a sudden it kind of puts you back on track and you go, oh, okay. All right, okay, all right, yeah. Doing all this work for our family when really our family just wants us to spend time with them. I would challenge you this new year in 2015, don't try to obtain all the gadgets and all the gizmos and all the, the things of this world for your family when already you've obtained your family. You've got them. Be content with what God has given you. This holiday, or excuse me, this season that you're going into this new season of 2015, I want to challenge you. Don't give up in getting out of debt. Winston Churchill said, never give in, never give in, never, never, never. In nothing great or small, large or petty. But he says this, never give in except to convictions of honor and good sense. This season, this 2015, I want to challenge you. Make it a point to get out of this debt. This is a cuss word in many families, but I want to challenge you. I, I, I don't like to cuss over the pulpit, but I'm going to cuss right now. I'm about to cuss over the pulpit, I know. I'm going to challenge you. Are you ready? It's probably a cuss word in your house. Do you know what you need to do? Budget. Don't go to that church. He just cussed at that church. We don't use that word in this household. I challenge you, budget. Budget your finances. Budget your time. And then guess what? Stick to it. Stick to it. Somebody once told me, they said, when you drive, do you go outside the lines? No, of course not. Stick to the lines. Can you drive outside the lines? Sure, of course you can. But don't get mad if you get into an accident. Don't get mad if everything gets all out of whack. See, this, this playbook that we have is to help us stay within the lines. Budget. If you want to get out of debt, I believe that 2015, many of you, you're going to get out of debt. Can I hear an amen? The second thing that we could be holding on to in this briefcase that we could drown in is that we could be drowning in deceit. Drowning in deceit. Revelations chapter 12 verse 9 says, The ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. John chapter 8 verse 44 says, For he is a liar and the father of all lies. Listen, the enemy is very subtle in his lies. He even disguises himself to make his words seem more like the truth. He did it with Eve. He understood it. He knows what words can be manipulated and be twisted. He even did it with the church in Revelations chapter 2. See, my friend, his purpose is to deceive and make you ignorant of God's will for your life. He attacks God's word because it reveals God's will. Are you hearing me? He attacks God's word because it reveals God's will. See, our purpose here on earth is to fulfill God's will. What we need to understand within us is that God's will is not a duty but a delight. God's will is not a duty but a delight. Psalms chapter 40 verse 8 says, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. 
Listen, this new season, I want to challenge you. Learn the truth. Get into the truth. Get involved with it. You know, somebody this, uh, this past season, we were talking, we were having a great conversation. And then all of a sudden, even in the conversation, they got into, well, they said, well, how come, you know, I won't find, you know, uh, Santa Claus in the Bible? I go, man, that's a great question. You want to study it? Let's study it. Let's go ahead and let's get into it. And we began to study it. We began in to get into it. And I go, look, see, you will find that it's not even about Santa Claus. It's about knowing the truth. You got to learn the truth. You got to get into it. And we, when we got done with our Bible study, he said, man, I never even looked at it like that because all I was looking at was just the fact of Santa Claus. I was looking at, you know, the, the Festivus, right? You can read it there in Colossians chapter 3. It talks about it. He said, eh, be careful with all that. Don't judge with all that. Don't, don't get involved in all that new moon. Just be careful. Don't allow that. Know the word of God. Understand it and walk in it. When you walk in it and when you begin to observe it, when you begin to have this inside of you of who you are, then, my friend, the truth will set you. See, it's when you don't walk in the truth, all of a sudden everything else begins to go, well, what about this? Well, how come this? Well, why not this? And why do this? And really, even when you look at it, man, uh, it even hurts me many times because the, the, the body of Christ, even when people ask, are you a Christian? Just the fact that they even have to ask this question after, kind of like, okay, well, what kind of Christian are you? Right? What kind of Christian are you? Apostolic? Pentecostal? You know, Episcopalian? You Baptist? You know, what, what are you? What, you know, what, what, what are you? You know, uh, there's Catholic. The Catholic Christian now, right? The Catholic. And so it's like, oh, man. And all I can really answer is say, you know what? Don't, don't ask me about my beliefs. Just watch my beliefs. Just look at me. I really can't get into all detail. We'll, we'll spend all day just getting into it. And I, I try my best to just live out the truth than just say it from me. I, that's, a, that's how I want to live. I want to live a life where people can say, man, he lived the truth. He didn't just speak the truth, but he lived the truth. Listen, this year, maybe some of you, you've been so clogged down. And, and, and even as I begin to even study this, I begin to look at the, the, what they call the, the computer boom or the Internet boom. The Internet boom has really kind of put a whole new uh, outlook on a generation's philosophies. They've really infiltrated the, the way we think now because you got YouTube you got all these how-to-do-it websites. you got all these different things. And, no, I, I can figure it out now. We know that if you wanted to become a pastor, you could just go online, fill out an online survey, sign it at the bottom, and you're a pastor. You know you could do that? Anybody could do it now. When really, I mean, back in the days, I mean, they put you through, like, heaven and hell, and hell and heaven just to, like, you know, just to get. But now, nowadays, anybody could do it. No big deal. Anybody can become an online philosopher now. Anybody. I know. I, I know. I know. I shared this a, a while ago, and, and I share this because I want to make sure that us as Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay, that we understand the times that we're living in. There was a movie years ago came out. It was called Wag the Dog. Anybody ever heard of it? I, I, believe, I want to say it starred Dustin Hoffman, if you're into actors or movies like that. I think it was, I've never seen the movie, but I have heard about it and the purpose of it. What it is, it's a movie about a guy who makes up a war, right? That's all he did. He makes up a war because he wanted to get ratings. So they get this girl, and they get her behind a green screen. And nowadays, you can make a war out of, I mean, I mean, video games look like Afghanistan, right? I mean, that looks legit. I mean, you look at it and go, man, that's real. And the Bible talks about, in the end times, there will be wars and just make them up. 
to make it up. And you know the crazy thing is that rumors get you scared. Don't act like they don't. Don't act like they don't. Rumors get you scared. Things get you. When I was, I think it was 12 years old or 11 years old, we were in a war. It was called, I think, the Gulf War that we had. And I'll never forget. I heard it from school, right? I was, you know, what was it, seventh grade, I think it was in, sixth, seventh grade. And they said at school, because my friends told me, my friends told me. They said, oh, dude, did you hear? Dude, like, I, I think it was Saddam Hussein at the time. Saddam Hussein, dude, they got jets, and they're going to be flying over here, and they're going to blow up the fault line of California, and California, it's going to fall into the ocean. You guys, maybe I was the only one told that. Do you guys remember that? Okay, that's what I was told when I was 12 years old. And so I will never forget this day, it started thundering. We had thunder and lightning. I was living in Fremont, never forget. Living in Fremont, and it started thundering and lightning. And the thunder got so hard, it started shaking. It shook the house. I mean, that's how, like, thunderous, you know. And I'll never forget. I go, oh, my gosh, it's Saddam Hussein. Uh, and I ran underneath the table. We had this wooden table. It was a thick table. And so I'll never forget. I go, oh, my gosh, Saddam Hussein. And I went under. And my mom looked at me and goes, what are you doing? I go, mom, they're coming. They're going to bomb us. You got to get under the table. Like a table's going to stop a bomb, you know, right? But that's how I thought. Because that's what they told me. That's just what I heard. It was a rumor, but it sounded good. It sounded about right. See, some of you, maybe this past season, you heard things, and it scared you. Well, I'm going to go over here. Why are you over there? Well, didn't you hear? This was good. Didn't you hear? Didn't you? Man, some of you, you've been drowning in deceit. Deceit has been running your life because you don't know the truth. See, the object of the enemy is to, this is what he wants to do. Many times we think the enemy is going to come and knock the ball out of our hands when in all reality he's just going to whisper in your ear and he wants you to let it go. He's just going to whisper in your ear. You don't need to go to that church. Oh, my gosh, you're right. Why do I go to church? I don't even know what I'm doing here. They didn't even shake your hand. They hate you. Oh, my gosh, she didn't shake my hand. She hates me. Deceit, it happens. And so a lot of times we run our life based on a deceit. This year, this is what I'm praying that we are going to have so many people filled with the truth that this city is going to have no other way to know, than to know that Jesus is the reason for this season, for next season, for all the seasons. Why? Because if we have a bunch of people that are equipped with the truth, then we're going to have people free in the store there at Lucky's. We're going to have people free on the streets of Hayward. We're going to have people free in the restaurant that you go to. Why? Because you know the truth. Because you know the truth. Somebody say the truth. See, when you know the truth, it will equip you. Somebody say equip you. See, when you go into battle equipped, you feel confident. Right? Don't you feel confident when you know the truth? You feel like, oh, man, I got this. I'm ready to go. You ever gone into a battle, like, uh, like a, maybe a, a, even a, a mental battle, when you know the truth? Like, oh, I know, man, I know. I'm going to get her. I'm going to get him. I'm going to tell him the truth. You feel confident. Right, you just feel confident, like, oh man, that's how Christians should be wherever we go. 
Wherever we go, we're just like, oh, man, I got Jesus. Ooh, wait till I tell him. Wait till I ooh, 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 tell him. I got the truth. I'm, gonna knock him out. I'm ready. I'm equipped. I'm ready to go. I want to challenge you. Some of you this season, we have our fresh starts. Get involved in the fresh start. If you say, well, I've been in the fresh start, get involved in Vethi. Vethi starts, I believe, January 27th, right? 27th. We have Vethi. And you say, well, what's Vethi? Get involved. It's our Victory Educational Training Institute where you can get in. It's actually college units that you can get. And you get in there and you start just asking questions. And believe me, Pastor Paul loves answering questions. Isn't that right? He loves answering questions. We were talking about this the other day. Ask him questions. I want you to bombard him with questions. Like, I mean, questions about, like, let's just take this for example. Somebody asked me this the other day. People ask me a lot of questions. I like that, though. They asked me, this, uh, is there dinosaurs in the Bible? I said, well, let's talk about it. And so we went in there. We started looking at it and getting this and that and the perspective. I mean, people have so many questions. Was there dinosaurs in the Bible? What about this? What about that? How come Adam and Eve, how come this didn't happen? Why, what does that mean? Why, does a woman have to always submit to a man? What is that in the Bible? Where do we have this? And we have all these questions. Can I have tattoos? What's wrong with drinking? Is there drinking okay? We have all these questions that we do have. Listen. There's nothing wrong with those questions. But once you feel equipped, you're like, hey, let's talk about tattoos. I'll talk about it. You want to talk about drinking? Let's talk about drinking. I ain't got no problem with that. Why? Because you're equipped. You feel confident. Can I hear an amen? Another thing that knowing the truth is is that knowing the truth brings you closer to Christ. See, nothing can tear you apart from someone when you know the truth about that person. Ooh, come on, somebody. Nothing can tear you apart when you know the truth about that person. Some of you, the reason why that person is your best friend is because you've been through the worst rumors with them. You've been through the worst of times with them. Why? Because you know the truth. And even though people can tell, hey, well, uh, did you hear this about them? No, but even though I know it's not the truth, I know them. See, when you know somebody, can't nobody take that away from you. I know them. I know her. I know her. I want to challenge you this year. Get to know him. If you get to know him, then anybody can tell you anything, but it won't tear you apart. You know Christ. And the third thing that knowing the truth does is that the truth helps you share your faith. It helps you share your faith. You're equipped. You're an evangelist wherever you go. You are a light in the midst of the darkness. Can I hear an amen? The last thing as he comes to the piano here that many of us could be drowning in, or we were drowning in 2014. The first thing, we were drowning in debt. The second thing, many of us could have been drowning in, but we got to let go of is drowning in deceit. But the third thing, and the last thing, many of us could have been drowning in that we need to let go of. We could be drowning in defeat. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. I love that scripture right there. I love that scripture. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Oh, I love that. 2014, many of you, you may have thought it was a defeated year, but really it was an experienced year. You had to go through a few things. 
you have to start understanding a few things, especially to many of you teenagers that you've thought that when I was 13, I knew it all. All of a sudden, I'm 15. Now I know it all. Well, guess what? You're going to turn 17 and think, now I really know it all. And then all of a sudden, you're going to turn 19, and you're going, man, I knew nothing. So for those of you teenagers that think, well, I'm, I'm getting, I got it. I, I know it well. My friend, I want to challenge you. Know this, that no matter what you think you know, as long as you know the one person who has overcome the world, you'll be fine. And I say that because many times, especially in today's day and age, our teenagers, they get depressed real easy. Really easy nowadays. Because they go really easy. What I have found, and even in the studies that I've seen, I have found that our teenagers in today's junior highs and high school, they go real easy from knowing it all to wanting to lose it all and end it all. They go real quick like that. I know everything, and then the moment they find out they don't, well, I'm just going to end it then. I'm going to end my life. But I'm here to tell you, listen, my friend, you don't have to be drowning in defeat. You don't have to find yourself in the lost column every day of your life. The Bible says that he has overcome the world. He has given you the victory. You know one of the reasons why I like coming to this church? Yes, I like seeing you. Yes, I love giving you a handshake and giving you a hug. But I love coming to this church because the moment I walk into the doors, it tells me I go to victory outreach. Man, I, I, I've got to win. I've got to win under my belt. I, I've got the victory in my life. Right away, I know that I've got the victory. God has given me the victory. Some of you, this 2015, you got to know that you have the victory. That God is in control. He is greater than our circumstance. See, 2014 might have taught us to be on guard and stand firmer in the faith. But this time, this time around, we are stronger right now than when we first begun. See, some of you, this 2015, you're going to have a, a higher jump than before. Some of you in 2014, when they would sing, I want to jump a little higher, you guys would go, I jumped higher. I got off the ground this time. I got off the ground. And so some of you in 2014, you just, you've been, been weighing down by the loss. I want to clap a little louder. I want to shout a little louder. Huh? And so it only goes so far. But listen, my friend, have you ever seen a team in victory? Have you ever seen a team that is winning? Have you ever seen a team? Listen, when they've got the victory, I have never seen a team. Good job, guys. Good job, guys. All right, guys. Yeah, way to go. Yeah, all right, whatever. Yeah, right. You know what? I'm going to use the analogy just because, all right, I'm going to clown on myself, whatever. When the Raiders defeated the Niners, I am telling you, I am telling, like, and you guys can attest to this. You have to attest. I had never seen some of you ever jump so high ever before in my life. And, you know, it even came out of some of your guys. We could lose every game. But that one game. Some of you, you might have lost every single day of 2014. But today, the one day, I've got the victory. That's all I needed. 2015 is on its way. And I'm ready to proclaim the victory within my life. I'm not going to be defeated. The enemy will not have his way. He will not deceive me. He will not defeat me. I have the victory.
Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, clap your hands. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. It's not over. Tell your neighbor it's not over. Come on, touch three people. Tell them it's not over. 2015, 2015, 2015. Before we make the altar call, I want to breathe life into some of you. Is that okay? I'm going to breathe some life into you really quick. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even in our faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 31. The horse is made ready for the battle. Mm. But the victory rests in the Lord. Psalms chapter 20, verse 5. May we shout for joy over your victory and lift up the banners in the name of our God. May the Lord grant all your requests in 2015. Psalms 47, verse 1. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Victory. You know what that is? I mean, I don't have time to get into it, but man, I was studying that scripture. Oh, shout out to God with the voice of triumph. You know what that's saying? It's saying that before you even get the victory, shout like you got the victory. That's what it is. You're, you're in the battle. You're just going, but you have to shout and praise like you've already won the battle. See, some of you right now, you're in the battle. You're in the midst of certain stressful situations. You are in the midst of a few situations that a wave is beginning to overtake you. And you may look at the wave and say, man, I'm never going to make it out. I'm never going to do this. But my friend, your victory rests in the Lord. He has overcome the world. Greater is he that is in me than he that tries to overtake me. I have the victory. I'm not defeated. I'm not deceived. I will not around in 2015 I have the victory come on lift your hands with me here today hallelujah hallelujah come on some of you this this year some of you this year 2015 you've got to proclaim the victory I will not be defeated I will not be defeated I will I will get out of debt I will not stay in debt Oh, this year, this year, this year is your year. This marriage is your marriage. This year you will start a business. You will be the best husband, the best father, the best wife, the best sister, the best brother. Oh, 2015, 2015, it's your year. God's speaking to you. God's speaking to you even right now. He's declaring all things new, all things new, all things new, all things new. If that is you right now, I want you to slip out of your seat. Come to this altar and let's sing.